Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the KBR Sports Podcast. You already know the best sports podcast of your 24-hour day. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the podcast. If you are not already, please make sure you guys go ahead and subscribe to the KBR Sports Podcast where obviously you'll get the best podcast content that you can find on to interwebs. At least I would hope so. Right? <laughs> Make such a bold proclamation, but none of you guys actually feel that way. <laughs> That's actually insane. <laughs> but I really do hope you guys go ahead and hit the follow button, hit the subscribe button. Of course, as well, make sure you guys are following on all social media platforms. You can find the podcast at KBR Sports on Facebook. You can find it on Twitter at kbr underscore sports as well as on instagram at kbr sports and then for tiktok it's just my name brendan abbin on there and you can find the all the kbr sports short form content uploaded on there as well as the kbr sports youtube channel of course everybody i hope you've had a blessed week so far and a great weekend i coming off this weekend i had a I had a pretty good weekend myself i i would say it was pretty pretty low-key and we did some things outdoors i'd say took the dog to the park And, you know, it's always so funny sometimes taking your dogs to parks because I feel as though every dog, right, we all know this, they're all naturally wild animals at the end of the day, even though we've domesticated them to a degree. But at the end of the day, they all want to be off leash and just really enjoying life for what it is and just running around, losing their minds, right? And that's a lot of reason why sometimes people let their dogs off the leash and they lose their dogs, sadly enough. But if you train your dog well enough, hopefully you can get them to a point where they are on command, even off leash. But I take my dog to the park and we're we're going to the park and there's it's just so funny the way your dog can just act so differently when they're in a new environment or just a way more open nature setting as opposed to just like the dog park or something of that sort and you put them in an environment where they can really just spread their spread their wings to a to a degree and enjoy themselves and my dog's over here just sniffing every single patch of grass and I'm like dude you don't want to like run around like jog some or something and it's so weird because I feel like they literally just want to sniff for a majority of the time. And I'm like, bro, there's so much more to life than just sniffing the ground, you know? And I really, I guess for them, it's like, I don't know what the equivalent of sniffing the ground is for, from human to dog type deal. <laughs> but I mean, I guess whatever your, your guilty pleasure is or something like maybe it's eating cake, maybe for dogs, it's eating cake, but I guess that would be eating treats, isn't it? So what is it that I don't know? Maybe it's socializing, but then that would just be meeting dogs because I'm I don't know what the equivalent is of like because they're essentially just picking up scents of the of the earth and other people and dogs that have been in that location or animals in general that have been to that location and I'm sitting there and I'm trying to think like what is it that we enjoy doing as humans that is I guess a a metaphorical equivalent to that. But I can't think of anything off the top of my head, sadly enough. It just seems so, it seems like such a obscure, <laughs> obscure thing to do, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But hopefully you guys, I, I don't even know when National Dog Day is. But I will say, I don't know if I even gave you all this update about me having a dog, to be honest. No, I actually didn't because 
I did not. I don't think. But it was so it's so weird because my girlfriend is way more into those like days like National Dog Day, Cat Day, and all that stuff. It's just it's not for me. I'm sorry, guys. I know I'm gonna get into the the sports talk here in a second. We're gonna be talking about the All Star Weekend. And one of the abysmal showing that was, <laughs> not not from all parties, but especially concerning the All-Star game for sure. But we're going to talk about all that stuff. We're going to talk some more about the NBA as well as some NFL. Talking about some contract talks when it comes to the NFL. And we'll get into all those things. But I just wanted to get things talk about. I enjoy, one of the things I enjoy doing about this podcast the most is this, is just literally having a platform to come and talk. And even though it's like me sitting here in a room just talking to myself, it's like I'm talking to all of you. And then any feedback or, I guess, writing that you all give me, it's like it's like a response in a weird way. And I always do appreciate that. And it's, it's funny because you kind of see the threads connect from week to week in terms of topics of conversation. But from podcast to audience, I think we all can have a way – we can take this to such a deeper connection and, and level in terms of – feedback and i really want you I, I, I really appreciate when you guys do message in and write in about your feedback for the podcast and all those things matter to me a lot and it helps make me better it helps make this podcast and everything that i do here better so i always appreciate that feedback guys and uh, you'll never know how much it means to me but yeah I, when i when we look back on the last weekend when it came to the all-star slate and the activities. I like what they're doing with the skills challenge. I think the skills challenge is becoming way more of a tough thing to perform in. And you do see the actual skill and team teamwork needed to perform in that. And I like how they do have representatives from each team and they have multiple guys from each team to perform in that skills challenge. And they have made it so much more difficult with, with expanding how they incorporate now a corner three-point shot the floater from the top of the key area and it's pretty it's pretty awesome to see from the uh, free throw line for a free throw line floater area and it's pretty cool to see how they've incorporated these new new ideas to make all-star weekend way more exciting and way more enjoyable but feel as though the more they the more they innovate on the all-star game and all the activities that they have available for fans i cuz i've always felt as though we as as stars have st- started to back away from all the activities in the All-Star weekend, I think the three-point contest obviously is always the one that consistently draws the most stars because I think it is there's, – there's a level of pride that goes to it, I think, when it comes to being able to call yourself one of the best shooters ever. Like even Damian Lillard, when he won the three-point contest, said that, you know, this is something I've been wanting to get under my belt with my deep range and stuff like that. I want to be able to have this – I want to be able to have this notch in my repertoire and have it noted that I won a three-point contest. Obviously, Steph Curry has won multiple. Klay Thompson's also been in there as well. And you want to be have the best top-name stars in that contest. I don't think I think normally that contest fields the best shooters. I think this year was a bit washy because you had guys like Julius Randle in there for whatever reason. And I I'm it was one of those things that I just don't understand how. Julius Randle was in there. <laughs> it was a bit weird, but it, it it was the situation where I I go and I see him put when he goes to shoot. Like literally, when I saw the the lineups of people participating in the three point contest, I was like Julius Randle. <laughs> but I I think we had some good quality comp- um, opponents in there. I think we had. 
Buddy Heald, you had Jason Tatum, you had Dame, you had Kevin Herter. Even though Herter didn't perform all that well, it was a, it was a pretty solid lineup of guys that were out there participating in the three-point contest, Tyrese Halliburton, and so on. But I think that from that first day with the skills challenge and the celebrity game and stuff like that, I think those things are normally going to be what they are. And I think the skills challenge, they are making it more of a fun, in-depth experience where it's not like just presumed someone can win so they're like they're requiring more skill to win the contest which is pretty cool but i would say that the the dunk contest when it, when we get to the dunk contest i think that's a situation where the dunk contest is always interesting to me because i think that when you look at the a lot of times the field makes the the overall contest it, it interesting in and of itself but i would say that when you have guys like mac mcclung taking part Jericho Sims, Kenya Martin Jr., and Trey Murphy III. I think that it was a okay lineup. I think Mac McClung, for a lot of people, you knew he was a, a House of Highlights viral sensation. A lot of people knew him from Slam Online, from Ball is Life. He was really popular in the AAU circuit. A lot of people have known Mac McClung for years. And his name, even if it might not have been known to like the the casual NBA audience or the people that are watching specifically All-Star Weekend for the slam dunk contest and stuff, I think that hoopers that are in tune with the game of basketball were very familiar with who Mac McClung was. And I'd say that it was one of those situations where I give credit to him being able to pretty much be the highlight of the overall weekend. I think when you come away from All-Star Weekend, a lot of times the the normal talk is, oh, the dunk contest was this and that, and it was such a flop. But I think that when you come out of, you see Mac McClung puts on a show, and then he puts on, he does all these dunks that it, it puts, and he, he's able to, for one, make sure he nails the dunk on his first attempt. I think that's one of the biggest things in All-Star Weekend. We didn't have too many funk dunks or failed dunk attempts that just had to keep getting repeated. But I think it was a it was a testament to be able to say that, oh, well, Mac McClung was able to finish his dunks on his initial attempts. Because that's what made dunk contests like the Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon dunk contest so special. Because the dunks they were doing were out of this world, right? They were amazing. But on top of that, these guys were doing dunks that were so creative and they were hitting them on the first try. So it's not like we saw the attempt of the dunk, right? We didn't know what was coming. So when we got that initial shock value and you did it, it was so amazing right from the right from the get-go. And Mac McClung, for his height, when you're seeing him do these dunks where he's he's jumping over two guys, essentially one standing in front of the other, and he's clearing both of them easy, and then he's grabbing the ball off this guy's head and then tapping it on the backboard and dunking it. You're like, what the heck is going on? And... You're just amazed by this man's height or this man's vert and how high and the athleticism he's on he's putting on display. And then when you go and look at some of his other dunks that he did, like the dunk where he gets the ball and he he hesitate he takes the ball out of the dude's hands. He jumps, he clears another dude another time. He takes the ball, double he like pumps he pumps it, then pump fakes it down again, like double pumps, oddly enough, like does a fake pump. And then still dunks the ball again. And you're just like, this dude has hang time like a freaking bunny. <laughs> like, it was insane, some of the dunks he was doing. And then when I see people debating whether or not it was like a 720, a 540, or 360, or whatever the case might be, where he does the, the spin dunk and, 
look, it, that dunk was incredible in and of itself. I feel like he started facing away from the hoop, and then by the time he was done, he ended up in almost the same position when he dunked the ball. So I don't know if that would make it a 7.25. I don't know. But that dunk was awesome. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. So he was easily the most deserved player to win the dunk contest. But one of my things that I feel as though that's happening with the dunk contest in and of itself, I don't know, man. When I, When you have someone like, Kenny Smith commentating on the dunk contest and Kenny is a staple voice of the dunk contest. Don't, and I don't want this to be interpreted in the wrong way, but the problem with having someone who's covered so many dunks and dunk contests is that they've pretty much seen it all. Right. And so even though Kenny was giving Matt McClung his props, he, a lot of the theme of what he was saying that night is like, you know, I've been here for Jordan and Wilkins. I was here for Levine and Gordon. I was here for, you know, Robinson and Howard and all Nate Robinson, Dwight Howard, obviously. And for me, it's kind of that thing where he's, he was tainting the well somewhat of the excitement for me, for me personally, I was so excited from seeing Mac McClung's dunks. They were great, but it's like every dunk contest has to live up to these all time dunk contests. And sometimes I feel like when you, like they always say comparison is the thief of joy. And when that is always the standard, when your standard is always going to be, Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins, part of the, the reason why that dunk contest is so immortalized is because of the, the the participants. And honestly, today's NBA players, they're not interested in participating to make it that big of a face-off. And Eric Gor- Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine were known names. They were known commodities in the NBA. I'm not going to say superstars to the degree that Michael Jordan and Dominique were, but They had cachet in the league at that point in time when they performed in the dunk contest. They weren't just regular role players or guys not even in the league as a whole. And so when they faced off, it was also a big event because you knew who Zach Levine was. Everybody knew Zach Levine was already a high-flying dunker, a talented young player when he was on the Timberwolves. Aaron Gordon was already known for being the guy at that point in time, being the main guy in Orlando, right? But also being a dude that was crazy athletic and had crazy hops and was also a great dunker. So then when those guys come in and perform in that dunk contest, you have some you have some type of cachet coming into it. Whereas in this dunk contest, there wasn't as much cachet. Now, if you have a dunk contest featuring John Morant, Zion Williamson, and some of these other guys, yeah, you're going to have cachet coming in with a lot of these guys being known for their crazy dunk they can pull off. But the problem is now... I, I want to wrap this with also Kenny's point that why I talk about Kenny is that every dunk contest now gets compared to those dunk contests with those big names and even some of the dunks that they did. And it's like, you're just not going to get that if the stars aren't performing in the dunk contest. So we have to judge each dunk contest for what it is, the quality of the dunks being performed and the participants performing the dunks. And I, I just, I sit there and I always sit back and I'm like, man, I can't, I can't hold it against today's players in some essence because it's weird, but I know that people will I, – I don't want to hold it against today's players for the, for the main point being that I know that when people when players lose in the regular season or they lose in dunk contests and stuff like that, it's like, oh, you lost and so-and-so. Like imagine being an NBA player and you – I guess there's a perception to losing the Mac McClung. I don't think anybody cared about – some of these other guys in this dunk contest losing to Mac McClung because they're not big names. But I guess for a guy like John Morant, who's already said he's not doing the dunk contest for, re- for whatever reason, I think that it is one of these things. And I heard this point brought up before, but that these guys have such individual brands and it's not good for the brand to lose a dunk contest. Like what that does for your brand isn't as much as it is just staying out of it as a whole, right? And for me, it's a bummer. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Because I feel as though it would improve the quality of the league and the All-Star Weekend. Like All-Star Weekend is probably the biggest thing the NBA has close to the Super Bowl weekend. The the NBA Finals, because if it's over the stretch of seven games or however many games it takes to win it, it never is going to reach that level of moment, momentous occasion because you're traveling between cities. It's not like everybody's just coming to this one location, this one city for this performance and or for the event. The All-Star Weekend, you even see it when the, on the halftime, the halftime performances where you had Thames, you had Burna Boy, you had Rema, and you had all these people coming out to, for the performances and... I know people that tuned in strictly for those all-star game performances. It's like people tuned into the Super Bowl for Rihanna's performance. And that's the NBA's biggest platform, but they use it. And it's so disservice because I I feel as though the biggest event of all-star weekend half time is the three-point contest because that's where stars actually show out. Like, you're excited to see how Steph Curry is going to perform against Damian Lillard. You're excited to see how Steph will perform against Klay Thompson and so on. All these guys going against each other. And... It is a it's a lost art when you when you talk about building up your own your own platform your own well I mean I, I guess the overall organization that you're a part of it can't be lost in translation how important that is for the value of the league and where people view the NBA because as as much as the NBA is a global sport the NBA does not doesn't even in terms of its even though it has such a far global outreach even expanding beyond the NFL and such the NBA's most dominant most dominant used or viewer base is the USA or let me rather say North America. And with that being its most dominant user base and viewership, it, it still doesn't even come close to touching the NFL by a, by a margin. It doesn't come anywhere close to touching the NFL and how, how much of a quality the NFL product is and how big the Super Bowl is now. And you could also argue that the NBA, the NFL players, because it is in the manner that it is that, they don't have as much sway in how they're able to parse out how the NFL operates or how their contracts are given, right? People know mainly the quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe running backs and some wide receivers here and there. But your your linemen aren't necessarily being discussed at high levels of football outside of people, or at least, let me not even say high levels, but rather low levels of football amongst casual fans who are not that interested in the linemen. They care about the guys like, OBJ, they care about the guys like the Jalen Hurst, the Patrick Mahomes, all these other people. And I just sit there and I'm like, man, 
I don't know what it takes. I feel like the NBA players should be trying to uplift the brand of the NBA as well. But then when I go and see that they are building building their own platforms with their NBA brands and their player brands, I get it. But I get it at the same time that I don't, right? It's like a catch-22 because then I look at NBA guys and I see – some of the some of the like the sub stars in the NBA have the same amount of followers as somebody like Tom Brady, right? And I would say somebody the most Tom Brady's probably the most famous NFL player ever. But then when you go and look at some of his social media following and the brand following, it gets dwarfed entirely by someone like LeBron James, who's a global brand, a global entity, right? There's a different reaction to LeBron James walking in a into a shop in let me just say Asia somewhere. Versus Tom Brady walking to that shop. Will some people recognize Tom Brady? Sure. But LeBron James is probably going to have crowds following him. That's how big his brand is. And I think that the brand is the number one thing players try to protect. And I get that. But I just... Like, it's like almost like people are too cool for the dunk contest. And I'm just like, man, like where where are the days where we have people like Vince Carter, Kobe Bryant, all these people performing in the dunk contest and... Just wanting to put on a show for the fans. And that's the biggest thing. I feel like while fans, obviously, every single year, All-Star Weekend is always packed out. It's because of the networking opportunities, the parties, all the things going on as a result of All-Star Weekend. So it's never really going to just be this thing where people just tune out, I guess, entirely. Maybe when the viewership starts going down, people are, the NBA is going to start looking at that, saying, hey, we have to do something about this product. And obviously, they've already had. They've been making some changes and adjustments to the dunk contest, to the skills challenge, to the three-point contest, and so on, to make it more exciting, to add another layer of excitement, of of overall polarization to those events. And even with the three-point contest, adding the Starry Ball, I know that was like a sponsorship from the drink company, Starry, or the drink brand, rather, and... But it adds a different level of excitement because then when you think of a guy's down and out and you realize, oh, no, he can make he can make up the difference here with hitting two starry bars with six points and then maybe hitting his money ball rack. Those are things that can get you back in that conversation real quick. And it adds excitement to the event because you don't think a guy's totally out of it until maybe unless somebody builds a big enough lead that they just pull, pull themselves away. But there's so many things that All-Star Weekend, I think, that for those events – and I haven't even talked about the All-Star game yet, right? And I think that for the dunk contest, I would love if we could see a guy like Zion Williamson in there. But I don't know. Zion's crazy athletic, right? But I can see Zion being more of that. No, because Zion used to be doing some crazy dunks in high school. He's just so much bigger now that seeing him do some of those same dunks might be wild. But I don't know. I would love to see. Like, this is my ideal dunk contest, guys. Okay? You ready? Sorry, I bumped my mic. I had to get I had to I had to get position for this. But I think that one of the best or one of the biggest the biggest things that we could have for the dunk contest was to have guys like John Morant, Zion Williamson. Who else is another great dunker that we know? I know Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon are pretty much done in it, right? They those guys are pretty much out of it now. And we need someone like I'm trying to think of who is another like high flyer because and the thing is I love it when when we have creative bigs like Dwight Howard and Aaron Gordon it makes for a really good dunk contest because I do realize that some bigs do amazing dunks but they're getting penalized for it I, I I was during the dunk contest there were some pretty creative dunks from the bigs and 
they were getting penalized just because of the fact that they weren't as like Kevin Martin, Kenya Martin Jr. got penalized for a dunk just because he's he's like a six nine dude or whatever the case might be, and he's not the same size as a Mac McClung, so those dunks aren't as impressive. But I think that if we could get some guards in there, man, some good high flying guards, like when Nate Robinson used to go up against it with Dwight Howard, and he had the creativity to create some of these wild dunks when he did the Superman thing at Shaq's Batesse. Like, it was so great. And I, I just I, I miss those days of that level of creativity, like the spectacle of making your dunk seem like it was this bigger-than-life thing. But then get nailing the dunk on the first attempt. Like, sometimes I don't know what happens, but guys do these dunks in their practices and their rehearsals or whatever the case might be, and then they come out to the dunk contest and they can't hit, hit them. But I would love for... Who else? Because those are the names that come to your mind right away. You think John Morant and Zion. But I'm trying to think of who else would be like a great dunk contest participant. Someone that just has high-flying bunnies. And I don't know why I'm not – I don't have – I guess it's probably because we see Jaw all the time on every highlight reel, right? Whenever it's like an NBA poster, it's like John Morant being put on the forefront of that poster. I think – I don't, I, I don't, I don't, what do you guys think about Jalen Brown, maybe? I don't know. I, Jalen Brown, he, he's pretty athletic. I don't know if he's like dunk contest. I don't know if he's dunk contest, like athletic type deal. But it could be interesting. I'm trying to, I'm really trying to think of who else. Because you know the funny thing? This is one of those things that uh, that we don't talk about enough with the NBA is that as I think dunks will always be in a, cra- a crazy, amazing thing, right? But as the league has transitioned, like we have some guys that make their names for their crazy dunks. But as the league has become way more three-point oriented, I can name you guys that we could just see in the three-point contest off rip. But when it comes to dunks, I'm actually struggling because I just don't think that drunks- dunks are dunks are as immortalized or as pushed to the forefront as the three-point shooting and stuff can be. I don't know. Am I tripping on that? I mean, you guys let me know. I I feel as though I'm I'm probably am lacking on some guys here that I, I need to be thinking of because, oh, I, I know Anthony Edwards would be a good one. Anthony Edwards would be a really – I can't believe I, I, I left out Anthony Edwards. <laughs> That's crazy. But Anthony Edwards would be a really good dunk contest guy. I'd be really, I would love to see him. Anthony Edwards has bounce, man. That's an athletic dude right there. But then would he – he, but see, is, there's always the thing about the best in-game dunk. Like they have great in-game dunks, but they're not necessarily like dunk contest dunkers. You know what I mean? But Anthony Edwards, he has bounce, and I feel like he could get creative. He's a young dude, so I feel like he could get creative. Damn, that would be exciting. Who else, man? I'm trying to think of who else would be good in that in that conversation. Dame Dame can rise up, but I don't know if Dame would be the guy I necessarily want to see in. Dame was in a dunk contest before, if I'm not mistaken, actually. I think Dame was in the dunk contest, and he went up against John Wall and... I don't remember who else. Damn. I don't remember who else was in that, that dunk contest, but I'm pretty sure it was like Dame... John Wall and some other folks were in that dunk contest. Ah, oh, man. Who else? Who else is, like, crazy athletic that can get up and that, like, can just, like, shake down the roof when they go up to dunk? 
I don't know. I got I got to like make a list of this. I got to like make a list and then I'll come back to you guys. <laughs> but we just need some of those those dunk those dunkers that we see happen in game that everybody always gets so hyped over and and we need those guys to be in the dunk contest because when you become known for your, how crazy and wild your dunks are, at some point like there's there's an audience calling for you to put it on the biggest display and you know display these dunks for everybody to see and see how creative you can get. I feel like that's what we need for the dunk contest. I would love for that to happen, man. Uh, Mac McClung credits to him though, man. He did great. He did great. All right. That's enough talking about the dunk contest. Let me, let me discuss the, the elephant in the room with the all-star game, because let me tell you guys the the all-star game. It's weird. Because we had the All-Star Game. We had a situation where we initially had a very, very, very great All-Star Game following the year of Kobe's passing. You know, God rest his soul as well as Gigi and the other people aboard the plane that took so many li- – or the helicopter, sorry, that took that took those lives. But the NBA coming up with that stipulation that each quarter we would you would take all the points that were scored per quarter, add them up, and then – Add 24 to the team that was leading score, and that that 20 you had to score that 24 point mark. That was such a, a good All Star game, and I remember that being so immortalized and such a moment for the All Star game. It was so exciting. The players were actually trying. Fans were engaged. Like the the NBA All Star weekend was trending because of that All Star game, and people were talking about how great it was. But then for some reason, we went back to this nonsense again of people just doing alley oops, just doing dunks the whole game nobody really playing defense if anything it's more of a shot making contest i mean it might as well be another event it's just a shot making contest as opposed to an actual all-star game and a pickup game and i think it's most frustrating and insulting to the nba because of the fact that and the nba needs to address it really because i think it's one of those things that you see the product and people come on air and talk about it every year but it doesn't get addressed and honestly i feel as though maybe until fans Cable networks, fans stop watching, just stop watching it, and then maybe cable networks, you know, then they're like, hey, we're not getting as much ratings with and, and stuff with these, with the All-Star Weekend, with the games, and we need to ramp up what's going on here, because obviously less viewership, less ratings and stuff like that results in less and less money and revenue, because then guess what, the cable networks don't need to pay as much for the rights, because it's not bringing as much viewership as it was the year prior or whatever the case might be so now adam silver saying hasn't said that there was an issue of all-star game viewership or anything of that sort but i think that that's the only way you really make a difference in these things man it's it's sad to say but i i, I hear mike malone say that that was the worst basketball game ever played and i it's hard for me to argue man we have a winning score where when you have a winning score that gets up to 184 to 175 you're just like that's a joke Jason Tatum scoring the most points in the All-Star game. Yeah, wow, so amazing. Whoop-de-doo. I don't I don't care. Nobody's guarding him half the time. Yeah, he's he's hitting incredible shots. Like he's just, he's making great shots, but half the time he's not being guarded. And when you look at a guy like I think Mike Malone even noted how Joel Embiid tried to get the guys to play defense at one point. You see Kyrie Irving's trying to get guys to kind of engage on that level. And it's one of those situations for me where I look at it, I'm just like, man, why, how on earth is it that 
the all-star game has become such a joke and a mockery. Like, it's not even a situation. The NBA is not, not in a similar situation as the NFL with the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl is a legit – like, the NFL is actually a brutal sport, right? Like, the NFL is a contact, full-on contact game, full-on tackling, all that stuff. But they even made adjustments to the Pro Bowl to make it more exciting, where they made it more of a flag-based game. And they made it way more centric towards – emphasizing how players or emphasizing on the athleticism of our players and the overall ability of our guys to speed and all that stuff, this tape changing it to a seven on seven type game with flag, just getting flags. Right. And that was exciting to watch. That was actually fun. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day. Couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now, it's fun to see, but the NBA just has not fixed the all-star game problem. And I think a lot, it's like a spit in the face to the fans, in my opinion. I tweeted about this, but in many ways to me, it's a spit in the face because how is it that guys can come out and play their hearts out, play so hard? We get all these clips of the summer runs and stuff like that where guys are sweating it out and playing so hard. But then in an in the, in the actual NBA-sponsored event, in an NBA-funded event, they're not trying their hardest. It's just, oh, we don't want to get hurt. Don't want to try too hard. Don't want anybody getting hurt. But then you can run against randoms. You can run, do summer runs. You can go play in whatever leagues in the summer and just to stay in shape. But then that the excuse is to stay in shape in that instance. It doesn't – I get it. At the NBA, in the All-Star if you, weekend, if you get hurt, you don't have as much turnaround time to heal up and get better, right? But – the risk is still there, right? You could be, you could play in the all, in the summer league or summer pickup game, and you could tear your Achilles. You could t- sprain your, whatever your ACL, whatever you're out for the season. Unless you're pretty much saying that you just got to sit up on a on a trophy case up until training camp. I just, I don't know, I don't know. I think the All Star Game is a damn mockery of the fan base, the people paying to go to the, the the overall event, people watching. It's a waste of people's times. I don't – like, I, I pretty much am of the mindset at this, at this time that I don't want – I only watch so I can come back and relay what I'm watching and talk about it on here and in videos and stuff like that, just mainly for news coverage. But if I wasn't in this – See, if I wasn't on this microphone, I kid you not, I wouldn't waste my time. I don't waste my time with the you – know, when it comes to the Pro Bowl, I watch the Pro Bowl to see how they're doing it. But normally, I normally just check out the Pro Bowl after – or I normally check out of it after a couple quarters of play because, honestly, the Pro Bowl happens during Super Bowl week. So then most of your coverage is based on the Super Bowl. So the Pro Bowl doesn't necessarily necessitate as much coverage as the NBA All-Star weekend. Like now we're on a break for the All- after the All-Star weekend for – a whole week and a half until NBA comes back. So it's one of those situations where I I just uh it's a bit weird, man. I and I, I know that Adam Silver Adam Silver has been this this commissioner that has been on the side of all all parties, right? Where he tries to make the owners happy. He's never really taken a hard a hard rock stance against the players or against the owners in a sense, right? He's always been the, and that's what essentially a commissioner is employed by the owners, 
but he's never really come down with the hammer on the players in a way that Roger Goodell has in the past, where Roger Goodell has been seen as that villainous commissioner versus what the perception is of Adam Silver. Now, I I think that's a strength for Adam Silver in regards to his his relationship with the players, but I also do think sometimes it makes it very tough to, in in ways, I don't know, man. I I. <laughs> It makes it tough in ways to sometimes take the hard, hard, steadfast line when, when issues like this or when issues of because you you've been so pro player that when an issue like this comes up, how can you really take that head, that hard, steadfast line against? I guess players prioritizing their health and prioritizing looking out for themselves when you've been a proponent of always looking out for the players and making sure that they stay healthy and being good and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's weird, man. It's weird, but I just think there's so much room to grow. I think that I I miss the days. Like I remember even the All Star game when Kobe was actually going at it with Dwayne Wade, and Dwayne Wade was actually guarding Kobe. I'm not saying I want guys to get hurt, but it led to a point where Kobe, like I think, broke his nose because Dwayne Wade hard fouled him and he broke his nose. And but it wasn't this thing where everybody freaked out and was so like upset or whatever. It was just like, oh man, like they're really going at it, right? Like I, I man, I I can't. I don't want to belabor the point, but it is very frustrating. I think I know, I know, and I heard someone say that, and it's this, it's this guy named Nick Wright, and he made this point, and I, and I kind of understand his point because he said that the way the media has covered players for so long that this is a self fulfilling prophecy that has been created, where because of the fact that everything has been so emphasized on the postseason. When it, and this, this, I'll segment this into the load management topic I wanted to bring up as well. But when everything is so focused on the postseason, the the NBA or we we've we've made the the value of the the regular season so minute that the postseason is the only focus that. Most people don't care. Like most people don't care about regular season games, and sometimes that extends to players too. I think that when an eighty-two game season, when it's not terrible if your stars are averaging out playing seventy games, maybe throughout the season, I don't think that's terrible. But I do think it is a thing where you would like to see guys play every every game if possible. And I think when we're when we're emphasizing how important the postseason is, a guy doesn't see it worthwhile that if he even has the smallest nick or injury to then chance it during the regular season. I just, or even an all-star exhibition game. It doesn't really make sense. And I guess I understand because when the end of the day, people don't talk about how competitive so-and-so was in the all-star game. People don't even mention all-star game MVPs a lot of the time. Yeah, we, when you're doing a whole career rundown and stuff like that, yeah, you might mention an all-star game. But a lot of the times we talk about how many championships do you have, how many finals MVPs do you have, how many regular seasons MVPs do you have, how many all-NBA selections. But it's weird because all those things kind of convalesce into each other, right? Like most guys, most of the best players in the NBA of all time, Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, LeBron James, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Hakeem Olajuwon, all these guys, Wilt. All these players have won regular season MVPs, right? So for some, to some degree, 
you have to value the regular season and at some point in your career to uh, to amass those regular season accolades to be all NBA first team. All those things that put you in that conversation with those other great guys, right? When you're talking about just a, a, a resume stacker, a resume builder. And I think that when you just annex the regular season and, and, and priority of the, the postseason, I don't think you build up all those other accolades as well that matter when we're talking about how great a guy is and how great he was able to perform. Like, for example, someone like Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard's great, right? But there's a vast difference between Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi Leonard's had some great regular seasons. But in large part, due to his health and his inavailability in the regular season, Kawhi Leonard has two championships. He has two finals MVPs. Obviously, his roles in both championships were a bit different from one another, but you get the point. He has, when we end up reading the list from years from now, people aren't going to talk about what his necessarily role was with the Spurs, but he's a multi-time, or he's a defensive player of the year, and when you talk about Kawhi Leonard, he's missing the big awards. He's been top three in MVP voting before, but it seems like now that's a pipe dream of his health and how much he goes through on an injury basis, how they're just trying to get him through the regular season. Kawhi being in an all-NBA bid seems almost ludicrous now because he just doesn't play enough games and he's not going to exert himself enough to, I guess, necessarily make be one of the best three or whatever, the however the selection falls down forwards in the NBA. And I think it's one of those situations that I sit back and I don't know. I don't know. I do think there has to be some value placed on the regular season. And I think that we can't just always be looking toward the postseason if we're going to have a healthy and prosperous league. It's just not a reality. It's just not. And I think that's one thing I've always valued about. And I know people sometimes feel a way about LeBron. But one thing you cannot short LeBron on. LeBron, look, he is always he's always played. He's always played and been available when he can play and he has been able to be available. He's played through injuries. He's he's LeBron hasn't been this guy. Like people always talk about how LeBron's longevity, he's such an Iron Man. He's not a guy that has never gotten hurt. He's just always played through it. And he's just always been one of the most durable guys that the NBA has ever seen. And I don't think every NBA player measures up to that. But I do think if a guy is about 90% or whatever the case might be. I, I think that you, you should be playing, man. And you're not going to be able to be 100% every game or whatever the case might be. And it's hard to tell people how to deal with their bodies and stuff like that. But I don't know. I feel like guys should be playing. And I think Anthony Edwards had made comments about this whole this whole issue. And I had just talked about it on a real slash TikTok, whatever the case might be. If you follow on those social medias, you'll see that. And I think that it's a it's an issue when it comes to load management that shouldn't be just white to the side but i feel like we talk about load management every year and it's not like anything's done to fix it adam silver said he doesn't really think we have an issue with it because he says you can't really tell players if they're hurt or not you can't tell a guy no you need to play well you're not in that guy's body how do you know how he feels right like you don't know what that player is going through or what that what their body feels like or anything of that sort so how can you tell them they need to play or anything of that sort right so I think I think it's an interesting topic topic of concern, but I think that regular season like regular season is what makes players like we separate the stars from like regular season can make stars right like stars are where the regular season comes, but then and I think how great you're able to carry your team in the regular season you can become you can be on the cusp of being a superstar, but then your performance in the all in the postseason is really what makes you a all star or a superstar rather. 
right? And I think that when you're a superstar and you're able to break into that next threshold, like I think Luka Doncic, how he's played in the postseason and even how he's been able to perform over the course of a regular season, that's what made people comfortable enough to say Luka is is the next guy, right? And he performed at such a high level. People were comfortable enough to say, I would take Luka over X and Y, Z and whoever player, right? Because of the consistency, but then also being able to show that he can perform on the biggest stage in the biggest moment. I think that, I mean, well, not the biggest day, but he performed, he can perform when it matters most, right? In the postseason, when it matters most, he can perform, but he also brings those same intangibles in the regular season, even elevates them in the postseason. I think that's the big thing when it comes to Luka and why so many people are so high on Luka praise. Now, I think that when you, you kind of cut out the regular season, you start making it, you start devaluing it and making it seem like it's a lesser than product to that, to that excitement and that what that all, all that brings with it. I don't know, man. I think your league as a whole just will naturally just suffer from it because natu- naturally you're going to have product degrada- degradation because people just don't see the value in it as well. Like, why are NBA fans going to value the regular season more than the players themselves, right? <laughs> you and then you start making these niche markets. It, it, it can have a, it can have a, I don't know, what do you say, a domino effect because you make the smaller markets become way less desirable because guess what? Now all the big games, all the play, people are only going to go to games based on when they can see their favorite star. Yeah, maybe it's based on the locale and stuff like that. But the smaller market teams, the the less time, the less the regular season matters. The less these teams are getting revenue and stuff like that. Because a lot of times for the big markets, there's always there's always some type of event feeding into the sports culture of big cities, whether it's Los Angeles, New York, Miami, whomever. There's always an, there's always events that feed into these big cities and also their celebrity culture that also helps to feed into that as well. But when you start undercutting that and you make that become less less valuable and you start making the regular season and those opportunities become less valuable, I don't know. I don't think that's a good thing for the NBA by any means, by any stretch. I just don't think that is healthy or a thing that we should be aspiring for the NBA to be in a situation where we are we are lessening the product that most of the year consists of, right? Like we should, it shouldn't be this thing where there's a sprint to get to the postseason because most of the year we are in the regular season. Like I feel like that, for and this is how you know the two products are different. I feel like the NFL season it goes by so fast, right? The NFL season feels like it just breezes by because you it, it's already feels scarce enough as a product as it is already, right? You really you only have a what eighteen week, seventeen week season, and. Each game matters in the NFL, in the overall NFL picture. And so the NFL just seems to breeze by. And I mean, it really does, every game in the NFL really does matter. But, and I'm getting, and it would be, you could make the cases because it's due to less games, but the NBA, it just doesn't feel the same because it's just a lack of em- emphasis on it. And I don't really know how you fix that. I think that, I know they said they're going to start giving out more regular season awards, but I, I mean, obviously, guys don't seem to care about that. It all seems to be about the championship. But I don't know. I feel like you build your legend on you build you 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 put down the basis for your legacy in the regular season, right? But then the over, the rest of the house is built based on what you do in the postseason. And ooh, I like that metaphor. <laughs> I actually like that one. That was a good one. But yeah, guys, I, I, let me know your thoughts. I really want to hear what you guys have to say about that topic. I'm very curious because it's something that comes to top of mind for me a lot. And I do tend to think about that oftentimes, and I'm just like, man, I don't know how you fix those things. But 
I am going to be doing I'm going to be doing some podcasts here to talk about the NBA and the teams coming out of the All-Star break cuz now we're in the second half of the season and I'll get into it more but you do have some teams on the fringe like the Golden State Warriors, the Lakers are not in a good spot right now. I think of their 23 remaining games, they have to win at maybe 17 or so to make it into the playoffs without a doubt. And I don't know, it's going to be tough cuz a lot of that you're hoping for some moving from teams higher than you in the seedings and it's going to be interesting. I'm going to talk about this throughout the week. I'm going to be doing a, a league-wide power rankings sort of type of deal for over the course. And I'm, and I'm going to be cranking out some more podcasts this week because I did miss y'all with the podcast from last week. And honestly, the funny thing with that was is that I recorded it, but I just didn't like it. I didn't like the podcast. I'm like, I'm not going to post this because I didn't feel – it was it was, a, it was so low energy. And I was just like, eh, I don't I don't want to be like – my next my next outing to be something that was low energy and I think it was just because I was so busy I had a lot of things going on to be honest but I was really busy so I didn't I, when I recorded it it was really late at night and I was pretty tired kind of like how I told you guys in the last episode if you haven't heard that but um I, I I'm just feeling much in a much better place now where I'm recording this and throughout the week dropping these other podcasts doing NBA power rankings and just talking about the conventional news it'll be interesting to see because I'm, I'm I never really I normally do one to two podcasts a week. And now doing a podcast for all the news, I think it's going to be a bit easier because things are technically slow as of this moment. So just focusing on NBA power rankings and touching on the teams one through 30 in the NBA and then also talking about whatever NFL news is coming out the crop at the time will be fun. I'm going to I'm going to enjoy that a lot. But I think I do want to actually talk some NFL here because I think one of the biggest things coming out for the NFL now is talking about contracts for guys and talking about guys like Lamar Jackson like what's going to happen with Lamar what's going to happen with guys like Jalen Hurts like are the Eagles going to bring Jalen Hurts in again next season on his current deal because look, when you're a Super Bowl quarterback like you're going to want to renegotiate your deal some right and then we also have situations going on with a guy like Derek Carr like he's going to be in free agency now that he's out of the Raiders organization he's going to be a free agent and it's going to be interesting to see what team he goes to but we could see some movement here in the NFL, and it's going to be really exciting to see because one thing I wanted—I I always say that the NFL has less of that the NBA doesn't have. Like NFL, it's so much easier to be a lifer with a team, right? Like think about how many years Russell Wilson played with the Seahawks before he became a Denver a Denver Bronco. And for all intents and purposes, as of this moment, we're always going to think of Russell Wilson as a den or as a as a Seattle Seahawk. He's not he's not going to be thought of as a Denver Bronco, right? So when you think about that, you're going to sit that you're going to sit back and be like, "Oh wow, like the NBA, NFL just doesn't have as much movement." I mean, think about it. He didn't change teams for 9 seasons since 2012. Russell Wilson was a Seattle Seahawk. The NBA, you're lucky to get that this one time. <laughs> the NBA is so rare to have lifers, man. Like you have Kyrie and Kevin Durant changing teams almost every two, three years now at this point, and it just seems as though the NFL, you're way more locked in to where you are, and we hear we, we hear all the reports about Aaron Rodgers being unhappy and the Packers pretty much almost being off of him. I don't even know what to believe when it comes to Aaron Rodgers reports anymore because I always see these Aaron Rodgers reports, but then he ends up somehow coming back to Green Bay. So I'm just like, well, if he was really gone, then like, what happened, right? Like, does somebody get lost in translation? Like, what, what the heck? And so, it's always interesting to me to sit back and think about, think about the fact that 
the NFL is a league where there's way more entrenched parties. So whenever I see a guy possibly being on the fringe of leaving, especially one of the top tier guys, like Lamar Jackson is an MVP player, right? He's an MVP caliber player. He's won the MVP prior to this season. He's won it. He, he won it a couple of years ago. And you sit back and you think about that. You think about all that Lamar Jackson means to that Ravens roster. And I can't help but feel like I keep bumping into my mic. Sorry, guys. But I can't help but feel like I did it again. <laughs> I can't help but feel that some of this is blowing smoke on both on both parties, right? Because I don't think Lamar really wants to leave and go and find another deal elsewhere because the Ravens have built a system around him. The Ravens know what he needs. And, what I mean, I don't know if that's a benefit or not. If that, maybe that is not making him grow and expand his skill set. I don't know. But I do think it's interesting the fact that Lamar Jackson has is in a situation right now. I mean, granted, we have the franchise tag thing looming and all that stuff, but and he could refuse to fran he could he could refuse to be franchise tagged. I, it is it is a weird situation. But then you have Aaron Rodgers on the other end where we don't know what's going on with him. But we could be getting to this point where the NFL where we're starting to see some movement here, some some faces changing with jerseys and such. And I wonder if, after that all that movement if we're going to have a similar change in power, similar to how the NBA has had, where you had pretty much so much of the power dynamic from the Eastern Conference move to the West. I wonder if we could have a similar thing happen with the NFC and AFC, right? Because the couple of teams that I know need quarterbacks off the rip. The commanders need a quarterback, right? And they just got Eric Bieniemy to be their offensive coordinator. So I wonder if he's going to be doing some recruiting to try and get somebody to be their quarterback. We'll see how that goes or even pitching some trade packages or something like that. But we have that situation. You have the 49ers situation. Their, their situation is just so weird. And Aaron Rodgers already said he's not going to be a 49er, but – Situations like that, like I, I think about where a guy like Derek Carr can just slot right in and how he can fit into there. A situation like who else can I think of that needs a quarterback? There's a lot of there's a lot of talented teams out there, man, and I there's a lot of teams with quarterbacks. I mean that however Steelers fans feel, I don't really know what their situation is at quarterback entirely, but I don't think they have their forever guy, but maybe somebody like Derek Carr, that could be interesting, right? That could be an interesting fit. Then I think about a team like I'm pretty much just running through every division in my in my mind. And it's like weird because teams have quarterbacks. Like obviously you don't have a guy that's like as good as Aaron Rodgers or whatever the case might be, but then you might have a guy on that next tier. Like right now, the Detroit Lions have had had a pretty good season, right? But the Lions aren't they're not one of the best teams in the NFL, but do you move off a guy at the age who is at a good age like Jared Goff, where maybe you just need to improve the team? Who's a guy that has gotten the Los Angeles Rams to the Super Bowl in the past, right? I don't, huh? It's an interesting thought experiment, right? There are a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of talented teams. Yeah, the Houston Texans, but I don't think anybody wants to go there. <laughs> oh man, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to do in Houston. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna touch on that story. <laughs> but who else can I think of? I the Browns are in a weird situation. I mean, I think this is. I think I just saw a story about they're gonna take the biggest cap hit 
of all time with Deshaun Watson's contract, which is insane, right? I mean, I guess Deshaun Watson is their guy, but yeah, you're, when you give him a contract like that, that's your guy. Let me think. Who else? I really can't think of another team. Because most of these teams are in that weird little spot where it's like you're not going to move off of your guy and you don't want to you don't want to pursue a guy like Derek Carr or and Derek Carr is not in terms of comparing him to like because I'm thinking now I'm thinking about the tier of quarterback like the Dak Prescott tier right and you're not going to move off Dak Prescott for Derek Carr right no way I don't think that's a move that vastly improves the Dallas Cowboys so that that's not a move that really convinces me or sells me in one way or the other. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that's a move that I'm like I'm so gung-ho to make that my team's all of a sudden about to improve by so by leaps and bounds, right? <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't have another thought. I don't I don't think I have another team. I think I ran. I think most teams have a quarterback, whether young, a quarterback they just. Oh, I'm tripping the Jets. <laughs> I entirely, I entirely just skipped over that whole division, right? The Jets, the Patriots, maybe. Right. Wow, I can't believe I literally just skipped over that whole division as I was thinking in my head. Because when I think about the division, the forefront of my mind is the Bills, and I'm like, no, they have Josh Allen, but. Then I think about the Jets, and I think about the Patriots, and the Dolphins have Tua. So, I, <laughs> man, that would be interesting, right? If you insert Aaron Rodgers on the Jets, or you insert Derek Carr on the Jets, are they all of a sudden AFC title contenders? I don't think so. I, don't, I still don't think they're better than the Buffalo Bills. I still don't think they're better than the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously. And... Honestly, I don't think they're better than the Cincinnati Bengals. I think every year now, people come removed from the prior season. Everybody's so high on the Buffalo Bills because of the talent of Josh Allen and just the prospect of that team and the weapons they have and that good defense they have. But you look at that Bengals team, man, they're proven. They're proven. And really, they, they've they shown that really the only team that gets in their way when it comes to a Super Bowl is the Kansas City Chiefs. So when you look at the AFC, you look at those two teams first. Then you start evaluating the rest of the prospects going down the line, right? Oh, the Titans. The Titans are another team. Yeah, the Titans are another team. I see all this. I see all these talks about Ryan Tannehill and stuff like that. Other teams. The Titans could go after one of these guys. Titans can go after Derek Carr. Titans could try and go after Aaron Rodgers if he's available. There's a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting plays at work here, but it just—I'm just excited to see how if the, NBA, if the NFL is going to have a moment here where we're seeing a couple quarterbacks or a couple players changing teams here, because normally it's like wideouts and stuff like that that are changing teams, and that's not really going to change the balance of power. The Saints are another team I just thought of. Just thought of the Saints. Derek Carr was actually linked to the Saints, so that's most likely where he'll go. But I just thought about that. The Falcons are another team. The Panthers. Wow, I missed. Goodness gracious. Oh, and the Bucks. <laughs> I've missed a couple divisions here. <laughs> Tom Brady retiring. The Bucks don't really have a quarterback. So yeah, the Bucks as well. Man, I missed a couple teams here. <laughs> but 
Yeah, I, I, there's, there's a man. I think because with how the Packers performed this year, I don't really. The NFC isn't necessarily strong based on Aaron Rodgers staying put, right? But I could see the NFC elevating. Let's say if Aaron Rodgers went to another team, like if Aaron Rodgers went to the Saints, maybe. If Aaron Rodgers went to. Tampa, no, he wouldn't go to Tampa Bay. But if Aaron Rodgers went to the Jets, the AFC does become interesting. But now I see the questions of people questioning whether or not Aaron Rodgers is cooked, which is kind of nuts to me. <laughs> like, I never, I never thought that would be a thing I saw, right? Because of last season, people are like, is Aaron Rodgers cooked? Okay. <laughs> I think there's a difference between playing unenthused football when you know your team isn't that good. Versus you being cooked. It's kind of like when LeBron was kind of just sailing that last season with the Cavs. Before they made the trade. They traded Isaiah Thomas and those guys for some new pieces. I think LeBron was a bit was sailing a bit there. And when they made the trade, he all of a sudden just started. Like he was putting up his regular numbers and stuff. Yeah, his 27-7-7. But then it was like. You saw LeBron like turn a switch, like okay, I'm I'm going, we're going for this, right? And that was after they made a try. I feel like Aaron Rodgers was kind of in a similar situation where it's like I'm here, but I don't really want to be here. This team isn't good. We're not going to beat anybody, and it was kind of like that mail-in season. But then you see a guy like you see a guy like Devontae Adams is already recruiting him to Oakland. People are or sorry, Las Vegas, and people ask him why why. Do you think Aaron's going to want to come there? He's like, because I'm here. Hello. <laughs> His favorite target of all time. Right? Gotta be. Gotta be. That'd be crazy. That would be crazy. Man. This NFL offseason is going to be fun. I'm excited for the draft. I'm excited for the NBA draft. I'm excited, man. This is we're gonna have a good couple of months coming up here in sports. We're gonna be leading into the NBA, the second half of the NBA. They always say second half, but by this point with the All Star break, we're way we're well beyond like splitting the season in half. Like there's like only twenty like something games left, so we're well beyond that point. <laughs> and people always say it's like the second half of the season. Yeah, we're beyond that. <laughs> but guys, I appreciate all of you for tuning in. Of course. This is a KBR Sports Podcast, the best sports podcast of your 24-hour day. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Of course, if you're not following on all your social media channels, please do that. It is more appreciated than you would ever know. Share this with a friend. That is always also appreciated as well. And if you could, comment back. Let me know your guys' thoughts on this podcast. You can comment on the podcast on Twitter. You can respond to – you can at kbr underscore sports to tweet about the podcast or you can comment on the instagram to tell me what you thought about this episode of the podcast as well as on the youtube just you can comment anywhere you can get wherever you have a channel to reach me or whatever you can comment about the podcast tell me some thoughts about this episode of the podcast or even some topics you want to hear discussed in the next episode of course but of course guys thank you for watching please leave a review and a rating if you can that helps a lot trying to get the podcast charting on the top podcast chart, but that doesn't happen without your great reviews and your great feedback. So thank you very much for listening, guys. And until next time, I'm out.